Welcome to Pastors of the Roundtable. We're glad you've joined us today here as we continue our series uh, walking through the Baptist faith and message. Um, last week we talked about a quick introduction to what is the Baptist faith and message. This week we're going to talk about what does the Baptist faith and message do. And then in the upcoming weeks, we're going to have a series walking through this statement of faith that our church adheres to and uh, the whole Southern Baptist Convention utilizes um, in our as a, a base statement of faith for, for all of our uh, cooperation together. So thank you for joining us. This is the Discipleship Podcast of Monroe Missionary Baptist Church. It's brought to you by Together in Christ, the teaching ministry of MMBC in Monroe, Michigan. We encourage thoughtful discussion about the Christian faith and connect you to the people and the ministries of MMBC. Around the table uh, again with us is Dave Arnold, Scott Slater, Tim Michelangeli, and I am Spencer Snow. Okay, guys. So um, last week we talked about what is the Baptist faith and message. We kind of defined it um, and talked about its history. Um, It went through three editions. The first edition in 1925, uh, it was revised in 1963, and the most recent one, which is what our church uses, is was revised in 2000. Um, so, yeah, so we talked about what it is. Um, anything you want to say is kind of a recap from last week before we go into this week's episode. Well, if they were faithful, people listening were supposed to go read the Baptist Faith and Message. That Mr. Southern Baptist told you to go read it where's where's it at bfm.sbc.net right something like that yeah you don't remember you don't know where you just sent the people yeah i do bfm.sbc.net right yeah i think so (laughs) i didn't say maybe google it first google it (laughs) so um yeah so last week we talked about what it is um i'm going to reiterate this uh this uh statement that al moeller one of the guys who helped write the, or helped come about with the revision, the latest revision said, he said, the Baptist faith and message is the doctrinal statement that advertises to the world what Southern Baptists believe. It establishes the base parameters for SBC entities to use in employment, and it serves as a written testimony to the convictions that unite Southern Baptists and undergird our cooperation. So uh, that's what it is. So first of all, I want to kind of walk through that real quick. Um, and some of these points. What does the Baptist faith and message do? So we're kind of asking the question, so what? Um, what is the point of this uh, statement of faith? The first thing that Al Muller says that it does is it advertises to the world what Southern Baptists believe. Um, why is that important? Why is it important that we advertise to the world outside of our fellowship of churches what we uh, believe? I think it's the fair thing to do, first of all. I think if you're going to be a organization even, or a church, or a charity, whatever it is, I think you need to put out there who you are and what you stand for. Mm-hmm. You don't need to, you shouldn't hide that. You know, we live in a country where we're thankful for the freedoms we have and these different things. Well, we we do. And so there can be groups out there who I differ from greatly and I don't need to be a part of that group. I don't want to be a part of the, that group for what they stand for. But they should tell me what they stand for. Correct. And I think I, it's the same way with churches, denominations, conventions, all these things. You should 
don't be shy for who you are and what you stand for. And so get it out there so that people, so that people know. And so then again, you know, if I, if I'm curious about church and I want to look around, I should be able to go and see what these individual churches believe and stand for and teach in mm-hmm. some, some place there. Now there might have to be some searching for that, but it needs to be out there. And so I think the fair thing for the Southern Baptist Convention is to put something out there, which they did. Like mm-hmm. this, so that's for like the you. I think did you ask specifically about those? Yeah, this not is, involved. Yeah, yes. this is specifically to the outside world right yeah, now, so that they can see this is mm-hmm. this is who we are. Right. I would I would just say it's because we're not a cult. I mean, we're not trying to be secretive. Mm-hmm. You know, there's not like okay, we'll just tell the world this, but once you're really in. This is what we're going to tell you. Right. You know, we're just right. trying to be straightforward and upfront with people. We're not trying to deceive anybody. Right. Or have like a gotcha moment by getting people in and then telling them the real truth. Right. 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 Yeah. I mean, I guess one of the things that comes to my mind is um, we talked about in a, about the, the sermon that Pastor Tim preached about with um, the gospel of peace. And one of the things that you mentioned, Scott, was if we're not sharing the gospel, there's, uh, we're not going to be clear about the gospel, but if we're also not clear about the gospel, we're not going to share it with the outside world. There's a chance that if we're not advertising to the world what we believe, we ourselves may not be clear about we are, about what we believe. Um, so how does the statement of faith do that, I guess? So we talked about why it's important. How does this statement um, tell the world what Southern Baptists believe? And if I was somebody from... Uh, uh, even another another Christian tradition, or if I'm an unbeliever, what is this document going to tell me about Southern Baptists? If I or, or a church that embraces this confession, what what is this going to tell me about MMBC? Um, if I look at this statement of faith, what am I going to learn about what we believe? Well, I think it gives it gives like historical underpinnings. You know that we, you know, like you said, Scott, we're not just kind of we're not hiding we're not um you know trying to trying to kind of uh mask that or or kind of you know push that aside it's like no we come from a a historical tradition that was back from the 1600s you know like the london baptist confessional you know and well dave uh, southern baptist started with john the baptist yeah (laughs) the first (laughs) i stand corrected thank you right yeah the first sbc meeting was on the mount of transfiguration i think whenever they all got together um yeah, you didn't know that, did you? Uh, now I our have roots a, really a go more deep. historical foundation, right? And a biblical <laughs> historical foundation. Oh, the great cooperation oh, happened. Boy. Go ahead. But no, ahead. I think it's. I mean, I think knowing that we have the historical backings, there's 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 validity because again, there's a lot of quote these trendy new churches that are popping up all over the place, you know, and and they're kind of standing on their own, which is not necessarily bad. Um, obviously church planting and so forth. Um, but the danger in that is like, oh, we're doing this new thing, exciting new thing, you know, whereas SBC, we have a, we have a tradition that dates back, you know, that, that, that is a, a very solid foundation. And so we're, we're under an umbrella. That's why I like being a part of this convention, you know, whereas like if you're just like so-and-so community church, non-denominational com- community church, there, you know, it's like us and no more kind of deal. Mm-hmm, we're, mm-hmm. we're part of a bigger family, which I think is really, I, I personally benefit from mm. that a lot. So mm. that's good. That's good. 
So it tells the world, outside world, what we believe. But secondly, what it does, this Baptist faith and message, um, is it establishes the base parameters for SBC entities to use in employment. Now, there's a a few different um, uh, terms that we need to talk about. First of all, Scott, you mentioned before in the last episode, you defined for us what the word base parameter means. Could Could you tell us again, what does that mean, a base parameter? I mean, it's just a starting point. You know, this is the the lowest common denominator that needs to unite us. There might be other statements on top of this, mm-hmm. as so long as they don't contradict this, that one of the entities that I'm sure we're going to talk about would maybe use, mm-hmm. like the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary we mentioned, uses something that's actually older yeah. called the Abstract of Principles that does not contradict this statement, but it is a little bit more detailed mm-hmm. in some things. So this is the bottom line that everybody, you have to... Uh, agree with or closely identify. I don't know. Probably each entity probably has different words. So also, what is an SBC entity? I um, those are SBC entities are um, well. I've got a thing here. It's all, I think this is from the SBC.net website. The Southern Baptist Convention conducts its work throughout the year through eleven ministry entities. So these are like really in a sense, it's three different ministries or eleven different ministries that the Southern Bab- that make up the Southern Baptist Convention. So uh, we talked about the cooperative program. There's this big pool of money that all Southern Baptist churches, you know, we we send it in. This big pool of money is divided up into these eleven ministry arms, so to speak, or entities or organizations that make up the Southern Baptist um uh, convention, and um, there's the um, and then on top of those the the SBC executive committee, which is kind of the governing board, I guess you could say, whenever the convention is not meeting, and um, also the women's ministry uh, union, the WMU. So this includes um, we some people hear about the ethics and religious commission. Um, there's a financial resources, Guidestone Financials, the International Mission Board, the North American Mission Board. We have six theological seminaries um, as well that make up that these are all entities, uh, ministry arms, uh, so to speak, that are part, that make up the Southern Baptist Convention family, so to speak. Is that fair? Yeah, it is. But just to make sure it's clear, what it means by saying that all of these are entities, they, they exist. They do technically exist independent from one another. Okay. It's not like, you know, you think of a church has a children's ministry, has a youth ministry, you know, and those are just part of this church. That's actually not really how these exist. Mm. They exist independently of one another. And it's not like the SBC Executive Committee does not make decisions for the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission or for the seminaries. They all make their own decisions. Mm. Um but they're connected to the Southern Baptist Convention. Okay, good point, good point. Tim? Nothing. Nothing? <clears throat> There's a legal matter about that right now, actually, within the Southern Baptist Convention, that NAM has been, that the North American Mission Board has been forcing state conventions, a different entity, to make decisions, or they don't get money. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's actually in our court system right now being fought out. Mm-hmm. We don't hear much about it, but it is happening. Mm-hmm. About how these all relate together. Yeah. and it, yeah. So, um, this confession is used to help decide who gets to work for these entities. Um, How does that work, and what are some examples of how this might play out in some of these entities? What do you mean? Like, what is the job? What does it look like like when they hire somebody? Yeah, how would this confession of faith, the Baptist faith and message, like, 
if I wanted to work at a seminary? I mean, I think it would look similar to what we did hiring here. When we hire people here, we ask, do you agree with the Baptist faith and message? Um, Because that's our statement of faith, what we say. And so uh, if you do your job too with that, you might ask a few questions in regards to that for and look for explanation, uh, some explanation to see if it's true. I would I would guess it goes the same route with with hiring seminary professors, um, missionaries, missionaries. You would hope uh, church planting is a big thing right now. You would hope that with church planters, they're being uh, you know taught this and exposed right. to this, and uh, that their churches are adhering to that. Uh, so, yeah. And I wish you know, in hindsight, I wish when I came into SBC life through NAM, North American Mission Board, as a church planter, that I was informed about this. Mm. Because there was this tension. I don't know if it's still, I don't think the Chicago Metropolitan Baptist Association exists anymore, but there was this tension, the CMBA, Chicago Metropolitan Baptist Association, against the Illinois Baptist State Convention down in Springfield, where they were like, we're, we want to be our own entity, you know, CMBA, and we don't want Illinois to dictate how we should do missions and church planting and ministry because they're in Springfield hmm. and we're in this, you know, the third largest metropolitan area in North America or, you know, in the U.S. And so there was, when I came in, there was like, whoa, there's all this tension, you know, hmm. and there was tension over finances of what, what funds should I get? Because the IBSA had more funds than the small association of Chicago mm-hmm. Metropolitan Baptist Association. But I wish that I had... I had a clear kind of guideline of like, here's what we adhere to the Baptist faith and message. Here's where we kind of, and then here are the different entities that we work with. Mm-hmm. It was very confusing, you know, as a 20 something coming into this whole realm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I think, and, and all, and the Baptist faith and message helps to give a base, uh, a base grounding for w- how all these things should function, what you need to believe to work here. So it's kind and of making sure we're all on the same page. In a sense, because like we've been saying, it's a very general document. Right. And so as Southern Baptists, one of our favorite words is cooperation. Mm. And so we really want to be able to cooperate. Mm-hmm. And it seems at time there are some within the Southern Baptist Convention who want to be as broad as possible to cooperate more. There's others who push well, we do want to cooperate, but we need to cooperate under maybe some stricter guidelines, right? That's always a little battle going on and discussions that are going that are going on and taking place. So it is, I, I want people to still understand, it is still pretty general because you could find Southern Baptists who adhere to the Baptist faith and message that you might think, there's no way they're a part of the same group I am. Yes, they are. And they right. say they agree with the Baptist faith and message. I think it's, I mean... Correct me if I'm wrong. I think it's fair to say that there's a good chance that for many people in the SBC on all sorts of parties, there are churches that are part of the Southern Baptist Convention that you yourself might not want to go to personally. Sure, absolutely. And there are churches you would mm-hmm. go to, but that's how broad it is. Yes. Um, I guess you're saying the Baptist faith and message is that broad to encompass yes. a diverse group of... Yeah, and I don't want to make it sound like Southern Baptist the Southern Baptists are the only ones who do this. I mean, you can find conventions that allow, you know, uh, allow homosexuality in the pulpit. Right. And you'll see churches within that same denomination who would say that is wrong and not right, but yet they're in the same denomination together. Right. So that's not happening in the SBC. No, 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 no. I'm just saying a lot of denominations carry with it a general broadness purposefully. Correct. For the sake of cooperation. Right. 
Right. And we, we do as well. Right. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. It was intentionally broad, um, in -hmm. general when it was first written Mm -hmm. and still is. Um, so it, it, it serves as a, advertises to the world what we believe. It helps us govern our convention uh, life, our cooperative life uh, together with other churches. It also, uh, thirdly, serves as a written testimony to the convictions that unite Southern Baptists and undergird our cooperation. So one of the things that happens is in order for you to become a church in friendly cooperation with the Southern Baptist Convention, uh, on the SBC Constitution says that the church has to have a faith and practice which closely identifies with the convention's adopted statement of faith. And um, so, yeah, go ahead. I mean, for me, I don't like that. That's just me. That we, we In the last uh, episode, we talked about loopholes. To me, this is a big loophole. What closely identify? I mean, I don't, I don't know what that means. I don't know where that stands. Uh, you know, when when you say, you know, when Spencer says, "Oh, I, you know, I was really close to hitting the target," but close to Spencer's three miles away. You know, and Scott's like, "Well, I, no, you're not close. I was close. I was three inches away." Right? There's a big difference there. You guys are interpreting close. Sure, that could happen here. Yeah, as well. Then. I think it would be a fair thing to say. What do, what does that mean? Closely identify and and to be fair, like so. For instance, one of the examples they give explicitly in the in the Constitution of the Southern mm-hmm. Baptist it says, by way of example, churches which act to affirm, approve, or endorse homosexual behavior would be deemed not to be in cooperation with the convention. So that's at least one example where they're saying this issue, for instance, is not allowed. But you're right that the the question is, what does it mean to closely identify um and i guess that's a good question yeah i mean i don't know how many examples they give but i mean i think you'd have to give a ton of examples right what that means or just change that word sure to something else yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) but it does so every church i mean that's going to be a part of the southern baptist convention has to say at least that they closely identify with the baptist faith and message right yeah correct um yeah, I think there's even a way you can do it online, and you have to maybe is there might even a checkbox saying we do closely identify with um, this uh, statement of of, of faith. Um, so, how can the Baptist faith and message help to serve to unite members of a local church, not even just churches with the convention, but a local congregation? I mean, I think we've talked about this too in in uh, recent podcasts, but like. With other denominations, we might feel comfortable joining with them in certain endeavors. But with other endeavor, other other endeavors, we wouldn't. Or certain churches around, it's like, oh yeah, we'll join with you to help fix this park, you know, for our community. We we don't mind doing that. But we're not going to stand hand in hand necessarily when you say gospel and we say gospel because we think maybe we're talking about something a little different there. Uh, mm-hmm. And so what the Baptist Faith and Message does then is, you know, we're a part of an association here of other Southern Baptist churches. And in order to be a part of that association, you need to be a Southern Baptist church, which means you have closely identified to the Baptist Faith and Message, which then, which then helps us, it should, to understand where we stand theologically. So that the thought of it then is these churches within the association that we're joined with because of this Baptist Faith and Message, we would be 
more comfortable aligning with missionally or an evangelistic efforts or even maybe serp like with worship coming together mm-hmm. and worshiping together mm-hmm. because we know we're going to be having when we hear the preaching it should fall in line with the baptist faith the message so i don't have to be too concerned now there might be musical differences or attire different like there might be differences mm-hmm. but the core of the theology should be there mm-hmm. and there should be some safety there because of the baptist faith the message correct so let me let me throw out some examples um about and you can tell me um just kind of what you think about what closely identifies so for instance if i'm a church and we have a a homosexual I any mean, this is an obvious example but if we have a homosexual pastor and we say we want to join the southern baptist convention does that church closely identify i mean according to the example you gave right. us that they gave the answer is no right Ob- no obviously no okay so what if we want to say um you know we're a church we but we we want to we don't believe in the the baptism of believers only but we believe that you can baptize infants or not baptize at all um would that church be allowed into the Southern Baptist Convention and closely identify with this statement? No. I would say no. no. Why not? I don't know. I can't define the term closely. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're making me struggle here. Scott? <laughs> uh, well, I okay, I would say, while well, he looked, I would say that's more of a first-tier issue. We are Baptists, and a yeah. big thing is baptism. Yeah. Right. And what we believe baptism uh, is, we do not believe it is salvation, you don't get saved sure. by it, right? We have a big, you know, we believe it's for those who have, by grace, through faith, accepted Christ, trusted in him. They then follow the Lord in what we say, believer's baptism, as a symbol of what God has done, that they're now part of God's story. So that's a big thing for us as Baptists. That's a big stance that we take. So a church couldn't have some any number of alternative uh, perspectives on baptism. I mean, like you can't, pra- you couldn't baptize babies and be a part of the, the SBC, right? Right. Because of yeah. believers baptism. Correct. Right? Yeah. Right. We yeah. make that a, a issue where you can't closely identify. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that goes back to historically too, you know, like the Anabaptist, Anabaptist movement, you know, and how that all developed into what we now know as many evangelical mm-hmm. pockets, if you will. Right. And so what, know. what if a church said, we, we, we identify with the Baptist faith and message, but we allow a range of uh, um, potential expressions with regards to um, charismatic gifts, you know, speaking in tongues or what have you. What, what would the SBC's stance be on that as far as closely identifying with the Baptist faith and message? I don't know if the Baptist faith and message explicitly says anything about the what we would call the miraculous gifts. Right. Did you not do your homework and read it, Scott? It's found at... BFM.SPC.net. <laughs> oh. oh, gosh. Oh, got me. <laughs> yeah. I thought Mr. Southern Baptist have a tattoo of that somewhere. I, I think you're you right. See, you guys, I think what we're finding out here is that you all are more Southern Baptist than I am. <laughs> I kind of am. I've been Southern Baptist longer than you. That's true. <laughs> Much longer. I'm just not from the South, so I get written off right away. Right. That's okay. Yeah. Let's uh, look and see. I got it right here. What did you ask? About charismatic and gifts or miraculous gifts, thinking about, yeah, those kinds of, uh, that, that position, like speaking in tongues and things like that. I don't think it addresses it. I don't it. think it does either, as I, as I look. Cause it I'm, just says, under the God the Holy Spirit, 
it says he cultivates Christian character, comforts mm-hmm. believers, and bestows the spiritual gifts by which they serve God through his church. I would say that they would be allowed just because from my experience with Southern Baptist churches, there's plenty who do believe in or have differences in belief and like tongues and different sure. things. So to a certain degree that that perspective would be allowed. There might be some I don't know. There's, there's some yeah. general understanding, yeah, I think. But there's but there would be some latitude given probably. Um Yes, probably as far as closely identified. I mean, there are churches I can think of potentially one in my mind right now, which I think would be, um, and we could, yeah. Anyway, but I, okay. So another question, what if a church has a woman pastor on staff? I mean, that's an interesting topic right now. Many and most would say no, but it has happened. Right. What is now the, the Baptist uh, it specifically says men, men, right in the Baptist faith, the message. Yeah, because it's been challenged, like there was a loophole, but Al Mohler has come out very definitively, right. one of who was on the team, right, and said the team was very clear on this issue that it's men mm-hmm. who fill the pastoral responsibilities of a church, correct, uh, according to scripture. But it, that currently, I would say, is one that is being pushed still. I mean, it has been. We talked about that on the last podcast, too, I think, back in the 90s with Moeller having to address it uh, there at the seminary. Still to this day, I mean, with the Beth Moores of the world and the whoever else, you know, it comes up all the all the time. And we've seen some churches do some ordaining of women, and they try to say, you know, oh, it's not the senior pastor, it's a different thing, you know, and there's mm-hmm. been a lot of talk around it, and so then discussion takes place, and then... That also goes into which, what authority does the convention have to actually right. kick sure. somebody out over that? And that's th- that. Yeah, there's a lot of talk. I mean, it's it's yeah. a lot to get into. Yeah, the association I came from, we had to go through that. We we mm. had a church that merged with another church that had a a woman pastor, mm. and so we as an association had to go through the process of trying to get that church to mm-hmm. to amend that situation mm. to bring them back to the fold so to speak and when they didn't we voted to remove them mm. and like that what you said tim what authority the convention has the thing is the convention or whether it's the national convention the state convention or your local association which we're part of all three of those they have no authority over what we as a church choose to do they do have authority to choose to let you cooperate or not mm-hmm. so it's basically like we're not telling you what to do as a church but we are able to kick you out of our club. Right. You know, so right. in that situation that you faced, you guys said you removed them from your association. That doesn't mean they were removed from the state convention no. or from the national convention. I don't think so, no. So for all you know, they still are. For all we know, yeah. But they just weren't a part of the association. Mm-hmm. Cor- yeah. Yeah, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, correct. And I, and I bring all these things up because I know people are listening and maybe wondering why we're talking about this. I was just say, I wanted to highlight the fact of uh, try to give some some idea of the boundaries, but also the diversity found within uh, the family of churches that our church is a part of, just so you can kind of get a taste for some of the questions that might arise and how does this statement work itself out in who we work together with with other churches. Um, I think it would be fair to say too, I'm assuming the four of us around this table are probably more, what's the word, uh, conservative in how we would define closely aligning with the Baptist faith and message. Right. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah. Cause again, it can vary. Well, that's right. what we're talking about and there's room for that. Sure. 
I would definitely be more comfortable like just getting rid of the word closely and say you must align to the Baptist mm-hmm. faith. The message, I don't know why the closely has to be there. Mm-hmm. But that's my personal take. Yeah. Yeah, I just, yeah. And I think that's that's part of the discussions that... That's I'll, what makes it hard when you ask yeah. the questions. Like, I want to yeah. throw out some examples to you guys. My first thought would be, nope. Right. Nope. <laughs> nope. But yeah, you have to ask yourself what, what actually would happen. Yes, I know. Yeah. 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 And I think that's helpful for people to see kind of yeah. where this statement. Now, obviously, if you denied scripture was in er- if you said the Bible's got some errors, um, you obviously would, that would not be closely identifying. Mm-hmm. I mean, I right. think, yeah. especially because of our past, yeah. Baptist, Southern Baptist Convention and, and associations are going to say no. Or if you deny the the virgin birth of Jesus or his divinity, um, any of those hallmark doctrines, you are not at all going to even be mm-hmm. entertained um, for fellowship. But these other issues, um, yeah, can be they're 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 discussions. Uh, some of them, I should say, not you know, some of them are not. But wasn't there talk about changing the name Southern Baptist? Yeah, that, I think officially it happened. Oh, it did. <laughs> did it? I didn't know I if it happened it, officially. I think it officially did. It might not be a different name, but more like an alternate name. Yeah, they uh, they did. They do called. That. They started calling themselves Great Commission Baptist. Great Commission. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you will see that. I know a church in Missouri that is a Southern Baptist church, but they call themselves a Great Commission Baptist church now. Yeah. Um, I mean, some of our heads of our entities even use that phrase mm-hmm. when talking about mm-hmm. the convention. Well, our past okay. president. The past president of the convention would use that yeah. term a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I right. think that was the title of one of the annual meetings one year. We are Great Commission Baptists. <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah. right. Yeah. Which there's nothing wrong with that. No, I mean, they're just... they're trying. They're not trying to, in changing the name. I think what they're trying to do is distance themselves from the Southern heritage, yeah. uh, because it carries a lot of baggage. Let's mm-hmm. just be honest about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they're just trying to get rid of that. Okay. And it's also a recognition that there's a lot of Southern Baptist churches that aren't in the South anymore. Yeah, we're one of them. Yeah. Right, right. In fact, I would say most of the church planting, it seems, is more north of the, uh, what's that called? The Mason-Dixon, Mason-Dixon thing. Right, right. Yeah, I would say. Yeah. It seems to. For sure. Yeah, it's just, yeah. Or maybe the south is the growing. I don't know. Maybe that's what's happening. It's just <laughs> <Yeah>. expanding. <laughs> We're all becoming south. We're all becoming the south now. I, I don't know. Um, uh <laughs> So the world would be a better place. <laughs> There'd be a lot more fried chicken and, <laughs> more and good barbecue food. <laughs> hey, we're getting a Chick-fil-A. That's right. Chick-fil-A coming. is coming it's up coming. here. There you go. South is coming. <laughs> hey, I like barbecue too. Okay. Um, so that's what it does. So it's, we go, it, it advertises to the world what we believe. It kind of helps govern our, the, 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 the big organizations, um, the entities, and it also helps us unite as with other churches, um, with what we, uh, believe. Now, real quick, I just want to talk about, um, a couple of things because in the past, whenever this revision was passed, there was some pushback. And one of these, I got an article here by a guy named Russell Dilday, and he was um, a former seminary president of a Southern Baptist seminary, and he would have been more liberal. And he had some concerns about the revision. And um, he obviously, like, he disagreed with the the change in in, uh, making the scripture statement more conservative. But one of the general things you can see here is this idea of, you're trying to impose doctrinal uniformity on all of us. And they'll say, you know, we as Baptists, we believe that in soul, in this idea of soul competency, everybody by themselves gets to choose what they think the Bible says. You can't impose your creeds. We're not creedal as Baptists, they'll say, right? We, we, we don't like creeds. So 
you can't impose this upon individual people's consciences. That's, that's unbaptist of you. Uh, we believe in the priesthood of the believer. Don't we believe in everybody gets to choose what they believe. So you can't take a creed and just impose it upon all of us. I mean, and, and obviously he would have some nuances. I'm being somewhat, all right, I think he would probably have some nuances, but there's a general idea that um, we don't need these creeds so much. You're downplaying the role of personal Christian experience and the role of the Holy Spirit leading a church. Why all of this creedal form, this confessional statement formulation? That was one general concern. Um, and obviously he would nuance that more than what I am. But what do you, what would you say to somebody like that? That you're just kind of imposing this upon I mean, everybody? I'd be interested first is that he not like the Baptist faith and message at all. I think he probably liked the 63 version, but yeah. But I mean, that's still then a creedal statement often. If his right. arguments, we shouldn't impose creedal statements, then it's like, well, we should just get rid of it then. Right. In general, uh, it seemed like there were just some tweaks that he didn't like theologically. Right. <laughs> and that's right. the real argument, but he's not making that argument. He's making an argument, we don't want confessions or anything. My other pushback would be, does your church have membership? Right. If it does, you're forcing on those members some sort of belief. Right. Maybe. Maybe, but I mean, or, but then to be true to it, everybody who comes in that day should be a member or you base it off of giving. That's the only other option that I would see. You can't base it off of what they believe or trust in because you're kind of saying, well, God might tell them something else. Right. And who am I? Who am I to say that? I just think you have to carry that very far and all the way if you're going to do that. Yeah. Right. I think... I mean, I don't know this guy. I haven't read anything by him other than what you put on this paper, but I think it's a little deceptive when he brings in, like, what when he says, what about our Baptist belief in soul competency, mm -hmm. acting as if that's always been a cornerstone throughout history right. for Baptists to stay away from creeds. That's just completely ignoring the fact that actually throughout history, Baptists have been very creedal. Right. You know, like, that's what we talked about yeah. in the last episode. Right. A lot of the historical background— and what the Baptist faith and message was based on, and what it was even changed to in this time that he was concerned about, was less creedal than where we came from throughout history. Right. So 400 years of Baptists mm -hmm. haven't found creeds to go against this idea of soul competency. Right. Right. And so I just think he's being a little deceptive. Right. And he says, so I want to I just say what he says. He says, historically, Southern Baptists have had an aversion to creeds. In 1925, only reluctantly, after 80 years, in an effort to squelch a controversy, the SBC adopted its first statement of faith. Um, and it says, ba basing it largely on the New Hampshire Confession of Faith of 1833, the framers carefully pointed out that the statement was merely a confession of what most messengers at the annual meeting understood to be the general beliefs of Baptists. Um, and they eventually say that the statement was not intended to be a creed, nor was it to be used to enforce conformity of belief. So it was almost like they thought this statement was just a description, not some kind of, like a description of, this is what most people believe, but it wasn't actually ever supposed to be used to say, this is what you ought to believe which is actually what we're saying, um, this is what you ought to believe, not simply what you, what is believed. Um, and I think you're, you're right, Scott. One of the things that comes out here is is this, this desire for latitude um, for everybody, this latitudinarianism, this freedom. Uh, the reality is, is also, if you and I were to go in there into their churches and to preach certain doctrines, they would probably be upset. Mm -hmm. It shows they have a creed. Right, yeah. It's just not put yeah. down on paper 
or or it's or it's just not talked about. Everybody has a creed. Mm-hmm. It's just some of us are honest about it, and some of us are not. <laughs> I've never met a pastor who who would say, "I preach to my congregation, but I really don't care if they believe in what I say." I mean, they're going to believe what they want when they read. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. really, then the role of the pastor would be to get up and just encourage people, read the Bible, and pray about it, and and trust whatever interpretation comes your way that it's from the Holy Spirit. I mean, that's what it kind of seems like. Well, I mean, there are churches that do that, but what has happened throughout history and just recent history, those churches ultimately die because Mm -hmm. what you're telling people when you say that what you believe about this is completely up to you. It doesn't really matter. You don't need me to tell you this. Like, okay, well, then why do I need to go to church? Yeah, I mean, at some point, I mean, (laughs) I could see people doing that maybe on some, like, hot-button issues. Like, right now, within the Southern Baptist Convention, social justice, critical race theory, those are hot-button issues. I wasn't talking about within the Southern Baptist Convention. Right, I'm just saying, and just in churches in general, I could see them doing that with that. Like, I'm not going to tell you, you you go decide, study, Mm -hmm. whatever. But if it's like... Christ rose from the dead. Well, I mean, at least that's what the Holy Spirit tells me. I mean, I don't know what you right. I don't know what you want to think about it. Mm-hmm. And that's not a church then. I mean, I don't know. You're totally negating everything. Right. Right. And maybe I'm, I'm sure this guy wouldn't take it that far. And I'm struggling here personally. Because I don't know this guy. I have to think he's a really smart guy if he was the president of a seminary. Mm-hmm. But when I'm reading this, it comes across to me as this is a very ignorant man. Mm-hmm. Like I wouldn't even I would struggle having a discussion with him. As I read just some things that he's saying, it, it it comes across as very, you did not get your way, and you're just pushing back against it. And you want to be a liberal Christian. It's obvious he has problems right. with the stuff about women and, yeah. and all this. Right. It's like, it's obvious what you're pushing for mm-hmm. here. And don't tell me you don't believe in creeds. That is a straw man that you're setting right. up that is not true. You have a creed. You have a creed. It's just not this one. Right. And right. that's why you're upset. Correct. Correct. (laughs) Yeah. And I think also the idea is too, is it's appropriate for churches to have creeds. The thing is, is you don't, because as Baptists, we don't believe anybody should be forced to join a local church. So no one's forcing you to join a church that, that doesn't believe what you believe. So you can go find another church and we hope you would that believe is more closely aligned with what you believe. But every local church does get to set its standards for what's going to be taught, what we believe as a local congregation or in a convention of churches or whatever it may be. Um, no one is forcing you. Um, everybody, it, these are voluntary associations that you get to enter into. Um, so there's the general concern, it seems, about f- for freedom and latitude and concern about creedalism. There's also a concern about being too narrow. Like, uh, Tim, you talked about, particularly, he has concerns about a narrow role for women in marriage and women in ministry in the church. And so there's a concern that, well, this statement of faith is way too narrow and constricting and confining. Um, now, it's interesting. These, these issues, this, is, this was written in 2001. So I can only imagine if someone was to <laughs> write it today about what they would see as being too narrow. Um, but those issues are related. You're, you, you're being creedal. You're, you're being, you're not trusting the, the personal experience of Christians. You're being too narrow. And, um, and, and yeah, so you're, you're, you're doing, uh, doing, um, all that stuff. Is there, and I think really what he, he gets at is helpful because it's just helpful to see some kind of, uh, critiques, um, of what people were concerned about. And people still have those concerns about creeds to this day, um, in, in all sorts of churches. Um, so yeah, is there any further thoughts about 
any of this before we wrap up? I see we're at 39 minutes. The quietness. No, I mean, I think you, I think we've went over kind of yeah. what it does and where yeah. it, it's purpose. Uh, it's importance because again, you, you have to stand together for something. You know, Scott said it well, we're not a cult. We want to put out there. This is who we are. But we are. We're working on the compound, right? I we're, mean, are we going to have a compound here at church? We got the land or for, the we got the land for a compound. Yeah, we used and to we have it. Canned goods. Yeah, yeah we have. <laughs> we're, sit, we're not. A, we're not a cult. We're just sitting in a room with canned goods. <laughs> outdated canned goods. <laughs> outdated canned <laughs> Very goods. Outdated. That's awesome. Yeah, it's awesome. I I would say. I mean, all of the benefits. You have a question there. How does the Baptist faith and message unite local churches together in cooperation? It does unite us to other churches, but it also unites us as church members together to understand, like, mm-hmm. you know, if there's what what missions, you know, we support, obviously, through the cooperative program and through our association and things like that. But if there's an individual missionary or somebody that comes to us, wants our support, we're not going to support them unless they at least affirm our Baptist faith and message. Right, so that helps us as a church individually mm-hmm. decide what are we going to do together yep, as we right. pull our resources to do that. I actually think the Baptist faith and message is a helpful tool for parents to know, like, what am, what do I need to be teaching my children to believe about God? Well, go to our church's statement of faith. Mm-hmm. It's a great place to start, and you can start trying to teach those principles and things to them, mm-hmm. right? And so it's it's useful for us, too. You know, right. Yeah. Right. BFM.SBC.net. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> As um, if we don't all have phones that well, uh, right. we don't. We don't, don't all have phones. Three of us have phones that could get to it. Yeah, and see. there you go. <laughs> but yeah. we don't want to do that. Right, right. No. So we're going to begin next week um, walking through the Baptist faith and message. So we've talked about what it is, what does it do, and now we're going to start talking through what does it teach. Um, and uh, we're going to start with the scriptures. We're going to walk all the way through it. Um, like I said, read it. Um, if you if you can online, you plenty of places to see it, read it, and we're going to walk through it here on this podcast um, and kind of just talk about it and how it applies to our church and and our our life together as believers. Okay, yeah, and I mean one of the there's a lot of places to read it, but we do have a book in front of us here. I don't know if this is still available or not. I got it a long time ago. It, it was through Lifeway, but it's it's like a workbook on the Baptist faith and message. If we wanted to teach a class on it, you know, however many weeks it is. Um, but it goes over it and asks questions. It's it is a helpful thing for people if they if they wanted to look into that. Right, that's good. That's good. All right, all right. Well, I'm gonna raise up the audio here. All right. Thanks for listening. Take care. God bless. <laughs>